Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Well, if you turn back the time and, and go find episode 178, you're going to find the first time we've had a conversation with Blake Templeton. Blake has been on a welcome guest on the show, and I'm, I'm glad to see him coming back here again. But um, just to uh, so you can take notes, and I'm going to make sure to have this link in the show notes. But if you text info at 31996, Blake can send you over some additional information on how you can stay in touch. But Blake, I really appreciate your time. We're going to be covering a lot of ground here today, and uh, it's, it's going to be a great conversation. Some of these topics are going to be rather new to the audience. Hey, well, I'm excited. I really appreciate you bringing me back on. Um, it's always a pleasure and I uh, look forward to providing some, some really heavy value. Yeah, we're looking forward to this. So, uh, w- you know, last time we talked, you were writing a book. And in fact, uh, uh, I, I think you're going to, you're revamping some of that now and, and hopefully we'll see it here soon. But, uh, you know, I'm always curious since the last time we s- spoke, there has been a ton of things that have changed not only in our world, but in the real estate investing and just investing environment, what have you seen and what do you, what do you think things, where, where are things going? That's a really good question. And <clears throat> I'll just tell you, I'm more passionate now about wealth accumulation than I've ever been before. Uh, when we talked last, we talked a lot about um, the three-dimensional investment. And so we're, we're passionate, convicted, about having a three-dimensional investment. Um, but with that, that third dimension we talked about, I'll cover them again, guys, if you missed it, but that third dimension is this exponential wealth. And now is more than, there's never been a time like this. And it sounds cliche, but there's actually never been a time like this. Like the wealth transfer in uh, two specific places um, is literally just being absorbed and put into people's hands for being wise and a good steward of their investment dollars. And so real quick, just recap, the three-dimensional investment, this came from King Solomon um, back thousands of years ago. And I just translated it for the 21st century investor personally for myself. And then how might I you know, multiply that for others? So the three dimensions are one's God-directed. So for me personally, I believe that... Um, with all the chaos that JD was talking about, all the volatility and all the things that were going to happen and didn't happen and all the printing of money and the Fed actually um, expiring the uh, M1 money supply and the chart that they were showing, like how much is, they like said, hey, we're not going to keep updating. It's, it's, we've printed too much money. Now we've gone from 3% inflation to 15% inflation. Like this has never happened in world history. Like it, this is something that can't stop. So all this craziness, if we lean on our own understanding, if you actually uh, let your emotions and your thoughts be con- controlled by the circumstances, your investments are going to do very poorly because you're going to invest in the wrong places. So your perception is your reality. 
So that the first dimension is you got to be God directed. Second dimension, it's got to be tangible. And I'm speaking to the choir here. You guys know that um, the stock market, you know, we, we, we're together, throw rocks, to the stock market, it's not tangible. So it's got to be tangible. And I'm going to share later where we're going, how we've pivoted and where we're scaling and how we're seeing massive results. Um, and so it's got to be tangible. Number two, number three, again, you got to be able to have exponential wealth. And so there's key criteria. Um, some things are tangible. They just don't create exponential wealth. So what we've seen is, uh, is by applying this three-dimensional process, um, you can thrive in a storm. And uh, man, that's what I'm really excited about helping people do is thrive in this next season. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that. You know, um, you brought uh, brought up quite a bit of stuff that's going on right now. And uh, I, you know, I struggle thinking of any real investment, uh, investment uh, uh, vehicle that can uh, go keep up with some of some of what you're talking about, you know, real estate investing allows us to account for the inflation and everything else that we're seeing right now versus having it sit in, in a savings account and actually losing value as we sit here. Yeah. And, and you just, you hit the nail on the head, like your investments, if you're going to be a good steward, like I have people all the time, they're like, man, I don't even have your same spiritual beliefs, but I do believe I should be a good steward. I do believe I should actually multiply. And so the thing is, like, if you're going to be a good steward, you have to outpace inflation. And that's something in the last 12 months, like that's something that's shifted and it's going to continue to shift. People don't realize uh, how it's happening, you know, from restaurants putting the smaller portions or restaurants doing lower quality food. Or, I mean, there's so many things that will happen for the next two to five years that it's going to continue to be um, twisted and, and hidden, but literally you'll start seeing it come alive. And then it's too late when you see it come alive. And so you, your investment has to outpace uh, inflation. And, uh, and if it doesn't outpace inflation, I would say you're a bad steward because you, if you know that right now we're looking at 15% with, with um, the GDP, the, the gross domestic product, it needs velocity. The government needs to have, like the system needs to turn. Well, obviously we know COVID shut that thing down. Like there's no velocity. The money t- is not turning. Mm-hmm. So it needs to go from the bread maker to the, flour guy who get who who sold flour to the bread guy who has um to the manufacturing company that the bread guy uses for his to create the bread and like it has to continue to flow and unfortunately it doesn't and so because we printed so much inflation has skyrocketed you've got to beat inflation you got to outpace it sure so you know you talked about the wealth building through the accumulation you know, what, what are you talking about there? When you accumulate, are you talking about accumulating as much rental property or just real estate in general? Or what other, what other assets are you talking about? I'm glad you said that because that's what I'm so excited about. What we realized, um, I'll just say we're, we're really heavy in self-storage. So self-storage complexes and mobile home communities. So we have a fund that only invests in these two asset classes. And our previous investments, you know, were syndications or, um, so let's just take, we're not in the apartment world anymore because we can't accumulate fast enough. We can't scale fast enough because the appreciation is too high. So it's, it's not a good vehicle. While when, in, when inflation goes up, 
it inflates everything. So it inflates the tangible. And so buying the tangible, there's we need to buy low and build a hold high. So we bought apartments. <clears throat> I had one, for example, in 2016. It was a value play. We're going to do a three to five year you know, turn. It's going to be great and you know, return for investors. Um, come to find out at the end of 2019, it's perfect time to sell. We sold you know, for more than we believed we were ever going to be able to sell for. And I had this sinking feeling in my, in my stomach, but everyone was going to make, I mean, really high returns. You know, um, we had, we had a pro forma, you know, 14% and depending on when some guys came in, they made 20% on the capital gain side. But I had a sinking feeling in my stomach because I knew how much work it took one, find that property to do the value play. And so we decided when our next funds building a fund, like let's reverse engineer this. How might we bring the property in, do the value play? How, how might we, how do you hold on to the property, maximize your tax advantages, continue to have massive uh, chunks of money as if you sold the property, but without paying taxes? And here's where the accumulation comes from. So, um, so for my single family guys, I'm talking about commercial real estate and specifically self-storage and mobile home parks. These two asset classes are a dying breed. So if you find uh, a self-storage complex inside the city limits, um, it got grandfathered in. So they're trying to push those on the outside. The City, the city doesn't like the zoning for self storage. In manufactured home communities, um, 150 are being torn down uh, every year in the nation, and they're not allowing them to be built in, inside the city limits. So they're all on the outskirts. And so um, these are when uh, when the market's great, everyone needs self storage. When the market takes a tank, then everyone's downsizing. They got to have somewhere to put that stuff. So it's got to be in self-storage. Um, with my uh, with self-storage, the average was a 93% occupancy during COVID. So someone might, be, might think like, why would they be paying? It's COVID. Well, trust me, they care about the things they have in storage. Even if the price for the storage unit in 12 months costs more than the stuff that's in the unit, it, it's irrelevant. So it's a powerful play. It's a powerful asset that, that stands at the, the test of time and the rents always go up. And that's the same thing for manufactured home communities. Supply and demand, it's at the lowest um, area of the, it's a, at the lowest level of the food chain, if you will, from your um, high-end homes to your, um, your secondary home, to your starter home, to your apartment, to your uh, manufactured home communities. I'm not talking about like, junky trailer parks, talking about manufactured home communities. Like these are communities. So in these two asset classes, they stand the test of time. The the uh, the the these are two that the rents continue to go up. And then what's so exciting is we built a structure where you could invest in, get your money back, get all your principal money back within eight years, and then you receive an eight percent preferred rate of return during this time period. And then instead of selling, we refinance every three to five years. Now, the beautiful thing is 
when you refinance those distribution proceeds, because you're still basing off a, a value of the appraisal, those proceeds from the refinance get paid to the investors. However, they're not taxable because it's a loan. Mm -hmm. So it, those proceeds come in, it's non-taxable. And then again, the next three to five years, the appreciation goes up because the rents go up, the, the principal payment goes down, and then we, re we refinance again. And so this allows for a continual ability for you to have asset accumulation. You are, you're able to hold the property, not have to sell it. You're able to make the money as if you were flipping you know, a large commercial asset on a regular basis. <clears throat> and then you got your principal back and that principal gets to go back into another fund similar to this, where you continue to then um, accumulate more assets with the same monies. Mm -hmm. You know, what? one of the things that I, I think is interesting here too, is that you're, you're, you're mixing the, the concept of multi, you know, essentially like a multifamily property to a certain extent, but you're talking about mobile home parks or, and communities and the, and the storage units where, frankly, both of those situations, you, you really have uh, low out, outgoes when it comes to uh, expenditures and maintenance of those properties. Yeah, that's a really good point. So for the mobile home communities that we purchase, the, we're purchasing the land and they're bringing the homes. So the, 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 the average length of the stay of a tenant is seven years because the cost for them to move the home they own into this mobile home community costs too much for them to think about moving somewhere else versus going to an apartment complex, um, especially if it's a lower end apartment complex, they don't have much stuff anyway. Um, once the lease is up, like, there's no ramifications. Like they can, you know, grab a trailer and just move, you know, put a little trailer on the back of the truck and they're, they're out. So we stabilize the actual occupancy with a built-in rental increase. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, a powerful play. And again, the supply and demand, everyone, there's a massive group um, that continues to transition year over year into wanting to live in the manufactured home community lifestyle. Yeah. So you, you, you just mentioned that you, is that part of your lease agreement that you automatically increase the rents year over year? Yes, correct. Or yeah. Um, and, and if it's not that specifically for a specific park, it's that we have the ability to, um, but uh, yeah, what we've found is that it's, it's um, so there's two things in wealth accumulation outside of getting your money back and putting that same exact principle back into another fund. So you're accumulating inside funds is that you have your cash flow and you have your capital gain proceeds in a normal investment. Well, on your capital, excuse me, in your cash flow, we do what's called, um, it's an advanced depreciation method called cost segregation. So when you would normally take in cash flow, you would, most of that cash flow is going to be taxable. And then you might get a little bit of depreciation because you're going to depreciate over 39 years. Um, but in cost segregation, in, we can take these two asset classes in a specific property. So 123 Main Street, let's say it has 600 um, self-storage units. 
we can actually go into all the specifics in the build out of that community or of that complex. And some of, in cost segregation, some of the things are depreciated over one year. Some are depreciated over five years. Some are depreciated over 10 years. So it, it shifts the depreciation to a way sooner time period. So on cash flow, you either pay no taxes at all or very little taxes. So now you have an investment play. And this is what the, the wealthiest investors are doing right now is you have, it's how the, they're becoming the wealthy become wealthier in the middle of chaos because they have cost segregation in the depreciation model. So you're not paying taxes, if any, on the cash flow, and you're not paying taxes, if any, on the um, on when most will be receiving capital gains because you're taking out the proceeds as a loan. And it's not a loan to you. It's a loan to the fund. And the fund is then distributing proportional to how much money you invested back to you. Mm -hmm. So this is a long-term play. We never sell self-storage and mobile home communities. So when you never sell, you get all your money back. You get tax-free cash flow, essentially, and you get tax-free sales of properties that we never sell. And you get to keep owning the same thing without having the risk. Mm-hmm. That's a, so, you know, the accumulation. You can continue to do that over and over and over with the same money and keep multiplying your assets. So it's funny you bring up cost segregation because, you know, uh, when it comes to mobile home parks and uh, storage units, you're kind of sold the concept that there isn't much there to maintain. But in my mind, you would also think that there isn't a lot there regarding the what what do you segregate? What's the, what's there to depreciate? Yeah, um, it's a it's a good question, and um, it that's why we use a cost segregation specialist, and so they build everything out from um, from the very beginning. So, for instance, let's just say there's um, kind of a silly example, but let's just say there's um, maintenance equipment, and there is um, the the different things that are actually in the building process of the actual um, self-storage community. Uh, we're actually taking everything separate instead of it being as a whole. So instead of it being as a whole building and it's just one straight up, you know, 39 years, um, everything, <clears throat> everything is segregated into little pieces of the monies invested into it. So um, it's, it gets really, really granular and that's what um, the the granularity of um, the depreciation is what allows us to do that. And it's um, yeah, that's and 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 I I recommend you guys no matter what you're doing if you're in if you're if you're doing your own syndication if you're doing your own fund or um, you've got to use a cost segregation specialist. I mean, it'd be just it's a no brainer because your goal, especially if you're going to continue to refinance, if you actually have what's called an asymmetrical investment. So an asymmetrical investment is an investment that we would say is it, it has the ability to receive the highest return with the lowest potential risk. So everything has risk. I mean, we'd be silly to say that something doesn't have risk, but the goal is asymmetrical return where it's the highest rate of return. So you would invest in this because the risk is so low. Well, if you have the asymmetrical return, you don't want to sell a property that has an asymmetrical return because they're far a few and in between. 
And that's the benefit of um, how you structure the actual process. For those of you who are in single family or who are doing maybe duplexes or quadruplexes or you're flipping properties or my challenge, my encouragement is, man, it's time to level up, but you don't have to be intimidated. It doesn't have to be like, now I have to go get into a commercial deal on my own. Like you can find someone, if it's not us, you can find someone to invest with and ride their coattail and have the red carpet rolled out for you and, and invest in a structure like this. I, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing because you're creating a long-term investment that'll pay you over and over and over. And someone asked me, you know, what's the rate of return um, once my money's back? And I had to sit there for a minute and I, I asked him, well, how much money do you have in it once your money's back in, you know, eight plus or minus years? He said, none. Like, well, then it's an infinite return. <laughs> so you're making mm-hmm. an infinite rate of return when on, on each refinance every three to five years, and you're getting the distributions from that equity proportional to how much you invested. It's a beautiful thing. And last thing I'd say on accumulation, <clears throat> if I may, is, um, and again, you can do it however you want, guys, but if you're investing into a fund, like what we're, like we have a, like we create funds. So this is end up being 13 to 16 properties in a fund, um, 20 million to, you know, 30 million, maybe 10 million, but to be 300 million in the fund. So, you know, the last one we purchased was $33 million property. Okay. So those, those properties are all in the fund. When you invest into a fund, you're gaining proportional interest into each property. Now that's a beautiful thing. Cause if you never, since the properties never sell, when each property refinances over the next 25 years, again, arbitrary number, you're then gaining these little refinance proceed pieces that are non-taxable. So um, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I just encourage you guys to think bigger, whether you're the one creating the deal, man, think bigger, think, think how might I make this deal better? How might, how might, I, how might I do bigger deals? If you guys are like, man, I want a place to put my money. Hey, think bigger. Think how might I pay less taxes? How might I structure? How might that be in a structure that is already set up to pay less taxes? And so, and how might I outpace the interest rate, I mean, the, the inflation rate, excuse me, how might I in, outpace inflation? So if it's really 15%, you know, if that's what it's going to be for right now, and it's going to continue. Well, okay. I understand that. How might I? And so just start raising your, uh, your education on like, well, you know, if there is a deal, I'm going to find it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's kind of a question, you know, you've all, you always, the last time you were on the show too, you come off as a very positive and energetic guy with a very optimistic, you know, there's a, there's a mindset there that's obvious. Um, and you were just talking about, you got to think bigger, you got to think bigger. A lot of people, you know, nine to fivers, you know, you we're, you're, we're used to a certain level of living and and that's that becomes the status quo. That's also when it comes to real estate investing, we get used to a certain level, and and it's hard to think bigger because when you think bigger, that's that becomes your new paradigm. That becomes your new plateau. Like how do you how do you talk people and and achieve what you've obviously have when it comes to that optimistic mentality and that mindset to get to that next level. Yeah, that's a it's a powerful question. We could spend literally uh, hours on this one, which I would absolutely love to. But I'll give you guys some key tips. 
So uh, and, um, again, I'm coming from a perspective that I'm a, I'm a strong Christian. So I'm going to talk about this, this first dimension of being God directed. So I, I believe that I don't have to be conditioned by the things that I have, that I see around me, the circumstances around me. So when we're conditioned by like, well, I got a speeding ticket. So then that's get, that creates a bad day because I got you know in trouble or, or um, man, my, my taxes on my properties were more than I thought they were going to be. I didn't budget enough. So then you, you have this Debbie Downer. Well, when the circumstances you're going through control your emotions and your thoughts, this world is destructive. It's depreciating. It's, it's, it's as degradation, like everything's dying. Every human being is on a dying, you know, the bell curve is not, is not going up anymore. It's everything is going down. So you don't look at the things around you, COVID, the, um, the GDP of the country, um, the M1 money supply. You don't look at those things to actually see, like, well, I, well, I'm not sure if I could be doing it because if everybody else is having a hard time, you change your entire perspective. So I have this mindset. Here's a key takeaway. I have this mindset that I, I sit in what's called heavenly places. You can call it whatever you want, but I would call it heavenly places where I am like, I want to process with God's wisdom. I want to think like, man, if I don't have to be controlled by all the circumstances, a circumstance, it might hinder me, but it doesn't stop me. A circumstance, it might, it might actually produce an obstacle, but if I come with the right mentality that if anyone can do it, I can. If, if I can come with the right mentality that, that um, <clears throat> big players make big plays or small hinges open big doors, then I would think, how might this obstacle help prepare me for my next big investment? Like it changes everything. So we flip to just doing big deals. Like we don't do little deals anymore. Uh, we don't do, you know, I, the deal I was talking to you about in 2016 was uh, we sold it for seven or 6.9 million. Well, we wouldn't buy a $6.9 million deal like ever again. Like uh, we just did a, a $20 million um, we're in the process of refinancing out a, a $20 million wedding venue, whole nother conversation of a, another industry. Um, we've, again, I just told you our last three in this fund for self-storage and mobile home park communities is, was 30, 31, and 33 million. So you just got to think bigger. And the more revenue coming in, the, the problems become smaller. And so when you think, well, I couldn't do it, so I would just call a timeout and cut the emotions and say, man, but if you could, how would you? And that would be the ability to get into someone else's fund, whether it's ours or someone else's. It's kind of irrelevant at the moment. You just got to get into bigger deals because that changes the whole way you think. Once you go drive to the property in you know, Marietta and you see it and you're like, I'm a proportional owner of that. I want to see how many more ways I can become a proportional owner of that because that's going to appreciate far more than a three-bedroom, two-bath in an area that um, unfortunately gets hit by foreclosures. Yeah. No, th this is exactly what I've been talking about for a while now where you know, I, I, I'm going to simplify it a little bit. Those people who are getting into real estate investing for the first time, doing wholesaling, getting properties under contract, that first deal seems to take a while. You know, you're, you're kind of, it's kind of a grind, but when you do the, when you get that first property under contract deal, number two, three, four, 
it, it seems to propel you forward because there's something that happens in your mind that you now believe it's possible. Yeah, that's a really good point. And guys, I've I've been there. Like I know in 06 is when I started and we've done 300 plus um, transactions from single family uh, wholesales when I didn't have a penny to my name to single family renovations to um, then your fourplex and your eightplex and then 26 unit complex and then, you know, 127 unit complex and then corporate housing. And, um, and what I realized is, man, you just, the only thing limiting you is you, like you've just got to think bigger. And so bigger is not always more. So someone asked me um, the other day, like, how many transactions have you, because you did, you said 300 plus, you know, back since like 2012. And I'm like, yeah, well, we just don't do bigger deal. We do bigger deals. So we don't do, we don't do 150 or, you know, $300,000 deals anymore. So, you know, it's a $33 million deal, um, but the profits, man, you can see the numbers way bigger. I mean, everything gets magnified. When you're thinking about like additional upsells or additional amenities to sell inside a property, man, it just the it, everything skyrockets because it's a bigger deal. Um, another thing I want to touch on is um, again thinking bigger, thinking outside the box. Is um, though I am the largest proponent um, that you'll find in my neck of the woods to have a three dimensional investment in real estate. Um, I want to kind of open you guys up. There's a three dimensional. Um, investment in a specific cryptocurrency. And so this is a whole new topic for some of us that um, it's like, man, I've heard of it a lot lately. It's a buzz or, or um, I got, I, I played with it back in 2017 or, um, and I'll just tell you, you gotta be, you gotta either be God directed or have someone who's God directed because you can't lean on your understanding. But the truth is out of 15,000 plus coins, you know, 14, thousand eight hundred of them are are nothing they're just silly goofy kind of like the stock market but there's a few there's a handful that actually have technology tied to them um and so i'll just speak to a couple principles cool mental framework what we're doing in our crypto uh, cryptocurrency fund um so i hope you understand when you understand the m the m1 money supply so we talked about like the government's printing money when you're printing the U.S. dollar out of thin air, creating new ones, it depreciates the dollar. It makes the dollar worth less money because you're putting more in circulation, trying to create that velocity. So they're trying to put more in, trying to say, hey, John will go buy more stuff and Tim will go buy more stuff. But that, John and Tim aren't buying more stuff. They're holding on to it because they're, they're concerned. So it's printing more, diluting the power so it costs more dollars to buy stuff. So inflation is simply, it costs more dollars to buy stuff. So it's good for real estate when inflation's high because, well, it costs more dollars of dollars to buy the real estate. Okay. But you and I want to have a life raft outside of the US dollar. As a good steward of our money, if it's depreciating at 15%, if Bob has you know, $100,000 in the bank. And he's like, hey, I'm just going to sit on it for a minute. In, in one year, he's lost 15% of his buying power. In four years, he's lost 50%, more than 50% of his money. Like it's gone. It doesn't even exist anymore. It might still show 100 minus the little silly bank fees he's having to pay for the money sitting there, but it's not there. 
So he'll be able to buy half as much stuff. So you and I want to have a, a, a money that's not in the U.S. dollar. And Bitcoin, just for an example, before 2019, it didn't have legs. Like it didn't have tangible legs. It, it was, ah, oh man, it could be, could not, not sure. It's going to, you know, it's something volatile. Mm-hmm. But it's now grown into a, has a technology underlying principle. Like there's, there's, there's businesses like apps in the, in the iPhone. You have apps. Well, when you and I first had apps on our iPhone, we're like, what are you going to do with an app? I don't even know what to do with it. You push a button. Well, now we use our apps religiously because you're like, that's so convenient. So there's, there's a Bitcoin blockchain with just, just, just think of it visually like apps, businesses that run on this blockchain. Money transfers, billions transfer on this blockchain on a regular basis, on a high rail system. Like this is not theory. It's already happening. And so Bitcoin would be look, looked at like uh, digital gold or a cyber bank, like it'll end up removing middlemen. So it's, it's not important on this podcast to understand everything about it because I'm not, I could talk about it for hours to make it simple. But the key is you need to have monies inside specific cryptocurrency that, that can be sustained because the U.S. dollar is falling at 15%. So unless you are all in on a specific type of real estate, we would say, I fully believe in self-storage communities and mobile home communities, but I fully believe that in the cryptocurrency, in the specific ones, we can not only outpace Bitcoin, but we can have a, a massive return. And so we ended up... Um, partnering in a fund um, under Boron Capital with my company, with, with my firm, and um, had been courting um, to um, another group of individuals who ran crypto hedge funds for two years. And we looked at their audited books and followed them. And we essentially partnered together and have built a fund that I, I just believe is going to bless any of you guys who have any interest in that world um, so it's important to just know, don't be um, intimidated by new investment strategies. Don't be, um, don't have the, the negative voice come in that you can't do the bigger deals and, and, um, and call a timeout and cut the emotions when you ever, you know, kind of get bought into what I would call the natural condition of man, where you fall asleep and you become a machine. It's kind of like what JD said, like, you get comfortable. Hey, just call a timeout. We can all get comfortable. Just call a timeout. Don't get comfortable because this is the season where the wealth transfer is happening and you want to be a part of it. Yeah. I, I know what you meant when it comes to crypto because, I mean, it, it really got, frankly, my attention when you even have a couple of countries now uh, making it legal tenure, te- te- you know, uh, making it legal money. I mean, it's, it's, become, it's become a thing that uh, it's, it's hard to ignore. Yeah, it's a hundred percent accurate. And um, you know, when you start seeing the uh, the reality of the the big banks, they don't know what to do. So it's like um, strong cryptocurrency. Again, there's a handful. Strong cryptocurrency is, is the death of the of the local banks. 
because it would it would end up being everyone's savings account without all your fees and be your checking account without all your extra fees. Like you wouldn't need to go um, to Western Union and pay a, a mighty fee to just transfer money to your friend. Um, it's free. It's free on the blockchain. <clears throat> and so there's so many different benefits beyond it being an actual um, asset and maybe even looked at a currency. Um, one thing is a myth is that a lot of people are like it, it's, it's currencies. Not it's called a cryptocurrency, but you can just take the word currency off of you know the majority, if not 99% of them. They can't do any, it's not a currency. So look at it as an asset, and an asset stands the test of time, an asset that has business layers built on it, and an asset that um, it's the it's you know it's the um, if physical gold is like the dinosaur. This is the 21st century version of it that actually, you know, uh, this digital gold, this like Bitcoin, it literally has a tangible value. You can actually use it today. Um, for instance, all your major credit card companies, they built custom Bitcoin credit cards where you could put your Bitcoin on the card, go to your favorite restaurant, slide it at the merchant, uh, 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 at the actual counter, and the high rail system, as soon as you slide it, will translate it to actual U.S. dollar. And your money only would sit in U.S. dollar for two split seconds while it's ran, but you would be holding it in crypto. So there is, uh, there's so many things there uh, that we can chat about another time. But the key, guys, is, is, is now's your time to run. Now's your time to build. Now's your time to, to grow. Um, this is not the steady eddy time. This is not set it and forget it. Um, of what you had in the past. This is a time to live in what I call future present. So most people live in what's like what's called past present. You base all your feelings and emotions and decisions and dreams and hopes on the past. So everything you know about your current past, that's what you're thinking is going to be for the future. It's time to cut ties to the past. What's happens happened, but this is the season that people are going from having very little of anything to having massive wealth. And you can be a part of that. So, you know, I, I'm going to go back to your 3D uh, investing strategy. So when you're talking about crypto, what is the tangible aspect that you see associated with that investment? Yeah, it's a great question. So understanding the best way to answer that is to go back to when we talk about the stock market. Now, some of us don't um, don't have the full grasp that um, like that the when the Beckenridge when the Beck and Wood Agreement ha- um, took place, it it changed everything. So before then, the stock market you actually if you bought some shares of Coca Cola, you actually physically owned a percentage proportional to how much you put in of physical company Coca Cola. Well, when that Breckenridge agreement took place, it actually shifted it. And you're not buying a percentage or portion of the actual company. You're buying a piece of a shell company that doesn't hold revenue. So any of the companies that are publicly traded, no one has a share of the the actual company. You you have a share of a non-revenue producing shell company. Well, that's a massive difference because it literally is fully manipulated, like a mutual fund. That's a thousand shell companies in a bathtub. And so when COVID happens, 
And let's just say Coca-Cola's stock goes down. Why would Coca-Cola's stock go down? People are probably drinking more Coca-Cola while they're home on lockdown. Well, because it's a bathtub. Everything goes down. So it's highly manipulated. The difference is in, for instance, in Bitcoin, um, you're actually, it's, it's a tangible, just like what we would say on your iPhone, a, um, a software that creates an app for a flashlight. You're like, well, is the flashlight digital? Is it physical? Is it, we might call it a, it, we might call it a digital tangible. So just like, and it might get a little over our heads for some, but like NFTs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so NFTs, guys, it's all over the news. You, you guys are probably like, man, I could have done that. Creating a, a picture of something, it's an original, you turn it into a specific form and those NFTs are being sold for as like as digital art. Okay. So a whole lot more to it, but um, it's, we would call it a digital tangible because the 21st century, everything is shifted of, of what actually one's considering tangible. Again, stock market, not digital tangible. It's a digital nothing. There's, there's nothing there to shell, but there are digital tangibles now. And for those who actually accept a early adoption and, and make that shift, you'll actually gain welfare if you invest and steward correctly. For those who are like, man... It's just not me. It's not my cup of tea. It's, I just I just don't know whether you want to do it or not. It's irrelevant. The U.S. dollar, the government themselves, they're already looking at moving the entire currency system of America into a digital platform as a uh, cryptocurrency. So that's already happening right now. I mean, you're, everyone, you're going to have a wallet, a crypto wallet, Um in a matter of years, you're not going to have U.S. dollars. The tangible dollar, if you've are, if you've ever seen signs at restaurants, and the sign pops up and or it's on the door or whatever, and it says, "Please have correct cash." We are we have a coin shortage. A coin shortage. We're printing new coins. What are you talking about? Coin shortage. So their goal is to, and this is very. Um, if you do your research, this is. This is just, they'll tell you this themselves. It's very clear. Their goal is to remove the actual coins and then they'll end up removing the US dollar, number one, the $1 bill. And then they'll slowly make this transition. So everyone will end up being on the digital side of it. What I'm just telling you is, is you don't want to be in a controlled format under a system that you already know isn't working, i.e., the inflation of the US dollar, which is the depreciation of the actual dollar. You want to be doing it on your um, on your own outside of the US currency. Yeah. So it, it it's one thing to uh, just print the money as they need it versus now, you know, what are you just going to push a button? And, and I mean, talking about, uh, I, I don't see that ending well, like you're, you're bringing this up, but Again, I want to remind everybody, text INFO to 31996 if you'd like to connect with Blake and his team and get some more information. Blake, this was this was a great conversation. I've, I feel like I've, I've kind of uh, stolen a lot more of your time than I, I probably had, had probably should have, um, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, but before I let you go, you know, I, I threw, I, I thought I better end with what I always do. Uh, is there a question you wished we would have covered here today? I would say that um, 
I would say like, what's the most um, aggressive challenge you could give someone? And so here it is. So like, guys, if, if I actually knew you directly, like I would, I would tell this to my grandma, I'd tell this to my nephew, I would tell this to my, to my brother-in-law is this, it is now time for you to dream bigger than you ever dreamed, for you to have more passion and conviction that there's light on the other side, that, that you, you're in the minority who actually will take this as a opportunity to transform your wealth position because the majority are going to turn the other way. The majority are going to get caught up in the shrinking mindset. The majority are going to get caught up in living day by day on the paycheck who are used to be thinking that they were fully set and retired. So I promise you, it might be uphill battle. I promise you, there might be some you know obstacles and some some dark valleys. But I promise you, there is so much opportunity in growth. Think bigger. Process. How might I uh, produce more investment dollars to invest? How might I uh, do this in a faster, tangible way? And how might I be in investments that he's talking about that? Um, that truly could stand the test of time. Well, thanks, Blake. Uh, this was great. You're welcome back anytime. I hope you will take me up on that and let's not wait as long as we did last time. Absolutely, my man. JD, it's been a pleasure and look forward to doing it again soon. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.